welcome to Unshaken. I'm Julie Van Warmer, your host for today's episode. I'm so glad you're joining me. Hey, I want to take a minute before we get started and invite you to head over to our socials, Facebook and Instagram, follow or like us at Women of the Word CTW. This is our umbrella account that covers and highlights all the ministries of our Women of the Word ministry of Christ the Word Church. It includes our blog called Planted, our mom-to-mom ministry focused on the good works that moms do, our Regarding Him conference that happens yearly in March, and of course, this podcast, The Unshaken Podcast. There is so much good content you are going to want to follow, so do it today. That will be in our show notes each and every week. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast directories. It helps us out and it helps you out because you get notification of new episodes that drop each and every Thursday. You can reach out to us at unshakenpsalm622 at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you if you have ideas or suggestions or thoughts about episodes, or maybe you just want to tell me about an episode and how it impacted you. Uh, Finally, as you know, Unshaken is a podcast for women and our goal is to encourage challenge and point women to Jesus Christ. And as you know, with Jesus, we can be unshaken no matter our circumstances. Hey, let's head into today's episode. All right. Well, welcome back to our mini-series called Learning Contentment. These are our book chats where we read a chapter or two out of a book and then we spend time discussing it. And I have my guest here with me again. Erica Simpson is joining me and I'm so glad you're here again with me today, Erica. Thanks, Julie. I really appreciate that you're doing these and I hope they're a blessing to others. I know they have been super helpful for me, so thanks. Well, it's going to be a great day because um, this book has proven to be very good so far. Mm -hmm. Do you think so, Erica? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I, I just actually, before we started to record, teased with Erica that I don't want to do these anymore because I actually am challenged to change how I live. <laughs> so let's just talk about like recipes. That would be fun. Yes. <laughs> so, okay, we're back to the book and we've got to finish it. Okay, but before I do, um, I was sitting around and talking with some of my kids and my daughters were telling me, I have three daughters and they were telling me how they've been listening and which always makes my mom heart happy because I thought at first they would never listen because they would think it was cringy that their mother was talking on a podcast. <laughs> um, and But they did tell me something that I really need to kind of clarify. Uh, they told me that I often repeat the same stories. So huh. they've heard them and they know the same stories. So they're like, mom, you got to come up with new stories. Okay, so Erica, here we go. I guess this is what mothers do. We repeat ourselves. We do. A lot. Um, But I do have a new story today uh, and one that I've not told on the podcast yet. So here we go. A few months ago, my nephew Evan found out that I hosted a podcast. Now, he's a huge, he's super fun and likable guy. And he's always teasing me about things. Um, And he listens to a lot of podcasts. He's really into sports and baseball. I know you and your kids are into sports and baseball, Erica. Mm -hmm. So I am not. I cannot imagine sitting through a baseball game. I don't know. It's just so, it just seems boring to me. I'm sorry. I not listen to a podcast about it. Okay, okay. <laughs> Personally. Okay. That's good. Well, he does. I think he's yeah. on the track to be a sports trainer or cool. in the coaching realm. Anyway, but since I was doing this, he said, well, I'm going to subscribe right now. So he, I think he followed it on Spotify. Hmm. So, and now he always gets notification of the fact that these are dropping every Thursday, just like we do, you know. So one day he said, we had a family event coming up and he decided he was going to listen to a little bit of the podcast because he wanted to kind of like talk to me about it. 
just in a, in a teasing way, you know, not because he really wants to listen. Well, he said he had it on his Spotify on in his car, and he was going through the drive-through during his lunch break, and um, right around the time when he would drive through and get his you know drink and his I don't know he's probably getting a biggie, you know, <laughs> sandwich or something. Anyway, when he was doing that, on came the part where at the beginning of the podcast I say this is a podcast for women made by women, you know. <laughs> He said he was laughing so loud in the car by himself because here he is, this young man. He's probably like 20, you know, and he's listening to this. But he didn't. For women yes. Women. He didn't listen very long, I'm afraid. So that's, that's pretty true. good. Okay. Anyway, the other thing he did that I thought was funny is he and my kids and all their cousins have a cousins group chat. Mm-hmm. So they are always talking about things and sharing things. And he made a meme. So we are famous now because he made a meme and it's a picture of a husband and a wife in bed together. The husband's sound asleep and the wife is like leaning over him, like trying to wake him up. And she says, honey, babe, the next episode of Unshaken just dropped this morning. <laughs> so I wish you could see it and maybe we can put it on our social media yes. because... I laughed out loud. I think it's great. So Evan, if you are listening, I just want to say I'm glad that you listened this far into the episode and you can stop now. Okay, it's okay. (laughs) Um, And you know, this might be super helpful to you down the road uh, when you start dating somebody and decide you want to get married. Maybe your wife would like to listen. So keep that in your brain. Mm -hmm. All right. That's a great idea. And I have to say there's a lot of people in my life at church and different people that I know are listening and have been really encouraged by the podcast. So you know, praise the Lord. There's something out there for everybody. And if you're a woman for women, um, of course. So uh, yeah, that's exciting and encouraging. And good job, Evan. Yes, that's right. All right. Um, Okay, so let's jump into our episode today. And this is um, chapter five we're going to talk about. And it is called The Mental Trap. Mm. Oh, wow. What a name. I'm just going to give us a quick overview of this chapter. Although the entire book is super practical, I have to say, I found this chapter to be super personally practical. In the first paragraph, Nancy Wilson, the author, gives a short quote by Charles Spurgeon. This is the quote, and I think it sums up the entire chapter so well. Charles Spurgeon said, Remember that man's contentment is in his mind, not in the extent of his possessions. Alexander the Great, with all his world at his feet, cries for another world to conquer. This is what the chapter is really about. It's about how contentment begins in our hearts and actually contentment stops in our hearts, right? Mm -hmm. And it's where we battle for contentment is in our minds. So we have to take our thoughts captive or another way to put that is to retrain our brain for truth. It's the action and the work that we do. And so much to talk about today. So let's just jump in. Um, Erica, what are some of the prime times during your day when your mind might drift into the dumpster, as she calls it? Okay, wait a minute. And what even is the dumpster? Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, the dumpster that she terms in this book is basically the garbage bin of our thoughts. So it might be things that are untrue or impure or unkind or carnal, etc. So this isn't a pleasant place to hang out, and it's not something we want to be fishing around in either. Hmm. And I would never really thought about it being a daily dumpster cycle for me. Sometimes it seems I have seasons of dumpster diving more than a daily repetition. Hmm. Yeah. But as I was thinking about it more, 
I can see that I'm definitely prone to sin at certain times of the day more than others. So for me, that would be like the witching hour. Uh, Forgive the expression, but that was always what I called the hours between um, after school and dinner when you're raising small children. Yeah. And something just goes awry and anything that will happen seems to happen during that time. Mm -hmm. So my patience was usually very thin at that time. And also I'm weak and prone to sin at my kids' bedtimes when I'm ready for the day to wrap up and... um, so maybe thoughts of difficulty or just being discontent fuel anger for me at these times of the day, hmm. sadly. Yeah, I agree. I think for me it would probably be just the quiet times. Mm-hmm. Like when there's not a lot of bustle of activity. For some reason when there's bustle in my house, I'm just involved in the bustle, mm-hmm. right? But recently all my family was gone or some of them were actually working outside like mowing and stuff. And I was in my house doing my dishes and I had some thoughts run through my brain that had this like little seed of discontentment oh, I wish such and such, or I, why does this have to happen to me? And I had a choice as I was scrubbing a pot. I still remember the pot because I kept scrubbing it. Um, if I was going to keep going back to these thoughts, and I really struggled that day. I'm just going to be honest. Um, I had a ton of thoughts. Um, and I had this process like, do I stop them? And then how do I stop them? And now here's the thing. Because I was reading this book right at that moment, I don't mean while well, I was scrubbing my pot, but <laughs> in that time period in my life, Um, I knew I needed to stop the thoughts, but it's just not an easy process. And it is definitely one that we have to learn and practice. I also think for me, nighttime, like the dead of night, Mm -hmm. when I have to wake up or am awake for some reason is also a time when I can drift into the dumpster. Yes, I agree. The middle of the night is another time for me. And that is when like usually fear and dread comes calling. Mm -hmm. And those are not my favorites, mm. <laughs> but um, maybe more my favorites are, you know, self-pity or martyrdom or depression. And isn't it amazing how you could redirect your thinking because this book chat was holding you accountable, yes. um, but that it's something I've been able to grow in through the years. Um, I can still get caught up in the trash, but I, if I'm not paying attention. So mm. yes, sometimes you pick out your favorites and you keep examining the trash, but um, learning that you don't have to do that and you can move on is really freeing. Yeah, that reminds me of the TV show The Hoarders when they go in and they're talking with someone who wants to get rid of something and it's like an old milk jug and they want to keep it because it's important to them. And I, I think there's some mental yeah. issues going on there or mental health problems, but it's kind of the same thing. Uh, I love her illustration of the dumpster. It is such a good visual. She's so good at putting a visual and that it makes sense, something I can remember. I guess one of my favorite items in the dumpster are old stories. Now, old stories are great. Often when my family sits around the table at a family gathering, we just retell those famous traditional family stories and they're fun and they kind of make my family who it is. We tell those stories, you know, about how, like the one time my older son thought it would be okay to put a little bit of monster drink in my two-year-old sippy cup. And then my two-year-old was jumping up and down in his bed at 2.30 in the morning. And I was like, what is going on here? And I made my son get up and hang out with him. And I went back to bed. (laughs) Um, But, you know, that's a fun story. I mean, okay, it wasn't super fun at the time. But it's it's a funny story. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But I think what I was really thinking about are the stories that cause us heartache or frustration, lead us to envy, Um, anger, unforgiveness. I mean, those are the things I end up in the dumpster diving for. And honestly, none of them are good. They're just trash. Hmm. I know that can be easy to just keep going back to those hurts, little offenses and things that um, we think are going to be, you know, worth it, but they are just trash. So I think it's probably good for us to examine our hearts and say, what am I meditating on? Hmm. But I don't know, Julie, are there any discontents that you've been meditating on? Hmm. Yeah. 
Um, if I said no, then I would be completely lying. Mm. So I should be honest. Mm-hmm. I think it's easy to meditate on things that make me feel bad, like based on emotion. Usually there are things that actually make me feel bad and they actually kind of become embellished over the course of time. You know, like I said earlier, those stories that change over time a little bit as we hear them in our families, you know, they become funnier or worse in some way. I remember my the story my sister told about my dad getting mad and he threw a loaf of bread at her. Now, likely my father did get angry with her. I don't remember why, but the story has changed. And now in the story, he is throwing a frozen loaf of bread at her. <laughs> so I'm not sure that that really happened. I don't know. She's probably listening too. And she'll go, yes, he did. <laughs> um, but it's a perfect example of how we can embellish a story. And embellishing your story means that you are trying to make the contents better, right? We, when we add embellishments to something, it looks better. And I think when we begin to embellish a story, we try to make the contents better. It's like dressing up garbage, though. And honestly, this is a problem that I have. I am such a verbal person, which is why I like helping with this podcast. Uh, often I review stories over and over, and I can easily make them better or I can make them worse. And I think a perfect example of this is how we meditate on something and how it affects us. I know that I need to be careful that I'm not embellishing garbage that I pull out of the dumpster. It makes me think of the verse Philippians 4 verse 8. And this verse is so good to use when you want a dumpster dive. And I am just going to read it for you because I think it is excellent. Um, And here's what it is. It says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is anything excellent, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen me practice these things and my peace will be with you. Okay, so that was the theme verse, which was painted on my youth group wall when I was growing up. And honestly, that verse did not resonate with me at all because it seemed too obtuse. I did not understand how helpful it was at the time. (laughs) And I look back and I have to laugh at my ignorance um, because it is a powerful verse. And since then, I have found this verse in particular to be really helpful and most of all in my marriage. So maybe someone else is out there and they can honestly say, as I have in former days, that their marriage is their favorite place Mm. to go dumpster diving. There can be, you know, hurts and disappointments or expectations that weren't met. And so it's easy to roll in the hurts or the pity. And so that makes this the perfect place to apply Philippians 4.8. Saying to myself, is this thought true? Is this an honorable thought? Is it just? Is it commendable? And if the answer is no at any point, then I better find a way to reframe my thoughts so that I can keep in line with the scripture. And really, I've just found that the sheer discipline of reframing my thoughts has a way of impacting my heart. Hmm. Yeah, I love that you turn that verse into questions. You know, I love questions Mm -hmm. all the time. I think they're so good because they beg to be answered. And I think those are great to ask ourselves those questions. That would be a good verse to memorize. I think that's something I have memorized it, but to re-memorize it. I don't know if you know if that is even possible to re-memorize something, but sometimes my brain, I got to get it back out and think about it. Because instead, thinking about what is good and right and true and honorable, in general, the verse, what it's calling me to do is better than sitting and thinking about the bad things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have a real life example of this too. So recently we went camping And I did all the food prep and the shopping and most of the cooking while we were out, which is fine. I really enjoy doing that. It's totally what I do at home. But it's a little extra when you're camping. So Okay, but wait. Did you make your famous Speedy's chicken? No, no Speedy's. (laughs) 
That's so yummy. No speedies that time. I was doing, you know, easy stuff, but it was still a lot of work. And so I was expecting a small pat on the back from my husband at one point when we were getting ready to leave. And he totally overlooked my efforts and he made a criticism on a whole different issue instead. And immediately I was angry. Mm. And I started down this trail in my mind of things he didn't do on our camping trip. And I got really defensive and accusatory in my I mind. have never done that ever in my life. <laughs> and accusatory I, and defensive. I know. It's not fun to talk about this, but it is a good example. Yeah. So I quickly, you know, realized it realized I quickly realized I needed to redirect my thoughts and consider what he did do in order for us to be able to go. Mm. He worked hard to get the lawn and the house ready. He has to wrap up a business in order for us to be able to leave the house for a few days. Right, because he's really works for himself. Right. In addition to this and his regular workload, he was helping my son with a big project he's trying to complete. He took care of our littles with love and care, as he always does. And that allowed me to get stuff done or get alone at some points when I needed a brief moment of sanity. <laughs> and he even had a birthday in there that mm. we largely uncelebrated <laughs> because it was camping and it was, you know, one right. more thing to do. So he actually helped a lot. And though his workload looked different than mine, it was still plenty of work. Well, I never thanked him and I didn't mm. appreciate him. So why did I expect that it should be given to me if I never offered it to him? So. Mm. My thoughts were not praiseworthy, nor excellent, nor true, nor just. They were just skewed by my own interpretation, and my discontent grew so lightning fast. So in the days which have followed, I've had to redirect my thoughts to what is true and just and commendable. And it's not easy, even still, Hmm. but I know that when I do that, there is fruit from that. So just a real-life example. And and I will say on a side note that I mean, I've had lots of experiences in the same thing that I just had my mind going the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not something that we're going to, it's more of a process, mm. right? It's not something that we're going to go, yep, I'm just 100% content. Mm-hmm. I think this is part of our sanctification process mm-hmm. is recognizing where we're sinning, recognizing the problems, and then being able to have victory over sin with the Holy Spirit's help. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like that's exactly what you did. You recognized it and you acknowledged it and then you worked hard to fix it. And with the Holy Spirit's help, I will add that over and over and over because we need his help in the process of this um, as he is our helper. Okay, in the book, I love the quote that says, we are always either feeding discontent and starving contentment or feeding contentment and starving discontentment. You really can't have both. I thought that was really interesting. You're either feeding one and starving the other or the other way around. Um, I just thought that was a great quote. We always need to be feeling good and thinking about good things and lovely things. Um, A couple of things that I think of right away that I could do, and maybe you did some of these too, but um, for me, I I thought about four things that really helped me when my brain and my thoughts are wrong. Number one, change my scenery. Um, Actually, just two days ago, um, I was having some really rough, difficult thoughts, and they were difficult, and I was struggling through them. And, um, you know, my husband said, hey, you want to go to Lowe's with me? Because he could see that I was struggling and I think he knew I needed a change of scenery. Um, So take a walk, go for a drive, do a task, you know, um, get going somewhere else. Um, Sometimes we need a change of where we are, a change of venue, just to get our minds off of the thing that we're always thinking about. Uh, Number two, listen to a good podcast. 
Um, I know one, by the way. <laughs> but honestly, there's actually a lot of good podcasts out there to listen to that are encouraging and speak truth to women. Or you could listen to a playlist of good Christian music. It just gets your eyes onto Christ and off the issue. And sometimes that's all it takes is just a change of scenery and, and getting your brain refocused. Um, meditate on scripture uh, would be another thing that I think is really helpful. Um, and actually Philippians 4.8 would be a great place to start. Um, I think it's good to just kind of review those things over and over and over. Um, it, it's really easy to walk away from discontent thoughts because I have something to think about. I have something to focus on. Um, and I think that's important. I actually was recording with another guest a couple weeks ago, which is coming out in a couple of weeks. And um, she was sharing this a small chunk at the end of the episode of a list of verses that she would put in a care package for someone. We were kind of talking about moving. And um, you're going to get to hear that coming up. But it was so impactful to me. She doesn't even know it. She was literally just reading these like eight verses that she was sharing. And I was so encouraged. And I thought, I'm going to sit down and write every one of those on an index card. And I'm going to start reading through them every day. And so I began writing them out. I haven't finished yet. But it was such an encouragement. Okay, the last thing I think that's really helpful when you're struggling with discontent is to find a friend who will encourage and challenge you to be content. Um, that's just such a good thing. Um, I'm not saying find someone who will commiserate with you and say, yes, you should be mad that your husband didn't acknowledge the work you did camping, right? We want someone who's going to tell us to focus on Christ and who will understand that it's hard. Um, we don't want someone also who's going to tell us, you know, just, you know, just stop, you know, <laughs> We want someone who's going to understand it's mm-hmm. it's definitely a process. Um, I, I can remember one particular year where a friend was struggling with some discontentment in a particular area, and she and I prayed together every week, and it was a beautiful time, and I really, really enjoyed those mornings when we would pray over the phone. It was a huge commitment. But I know that that's something we could do, is reach out to a friend. So I love how you just gave the example of meditating on Scripture. Mm. Are there other ways that people can do that? I mean, I think you just gave some powerful examples there. But Well, I think, um, you know, I, I mean, I just talked about those a little bit. But I think it's really fo- good to meditate on Scripture because it helps us change up our thoughts. And I think that's really what has to happen. And it takes a lot of work. I think it's probably the hardest work I ever do is changing my thought pattern. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you would agree, Erica, but give me a whole bunch of laundry and a stack of dishes and I can get that stuff done and, you know, quick quick a few minutes but um switching my brain is hard and we have to just it helps us to leave the trash in the garbage and look for other ways to see where God is working how about you Mm. do you ever meditate on scripture I I do and I think so much of my uh my meditation is actually it feels like a mortar and pestle under God's mortar and pestle and um I usually know when God is working on my heart or Mm. um helping me see my own sin because it's just a grinding out and um you know when satan comes accusing i often see there's fear and quickness or impatience and Mm. um i jump to conclusions but when god is really working on me it's a real constant churning Mm. which i think is kind of relating to how we need to meditate um she mentions the word in the book ruminate Mm, several times and i looked this up and it means to turn a matter over and over in the mind so like a cow to chew the cud i mean you think of a cow out you know (laughs) i wish you all could see her right there (laughs) um so it's just reflecting on over and over again 
And cows are ruminating animals. They chew this over and over. And we are to think on the praiseworthy things that God is doing, even in the trials, over and over and over again. So it's meditating with faith and the belief that God is working stuff out in us like a mortar and pestle when the challenges of life present themselves. Mm. And I think there's a searching component to it as well, that you're you're looking for the the nuggets and the truth that you're supposed to hold on to. Mm. So. That is really good. I remember back in one of our very first episodes, I spoke with a young lady named Katie, and Katie was talking about some challenges with anxiety that she was struggling through. And one of the things that I picked up from something she said is that she often would keep a list of verses that were encouraging that she wanted to think about on her phone. Hmm. And she would... I don't know if she'd make an image or if they were literally just on her notes on her phone. And she would just review those when she needed to work through them. And it was so powerful. And I did that. That's been very, very helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So let's go ahead and jump into chapter six. I mean, I think we could talk, talk about each of these chapters for like three hours. But yeah. <laughs> um, let's go ahead and talk about this one. And this is actually just simply called Envy. Um, it's just so simple, isn't it? I'm sure it's just an easy thing, easy chapter. <laughs> I'm saying that all with sarcasm. Yeah. But um, let's hear a quick summary. Um, Erica, why don't you tell us a little bit about chapter six? Well, I felt that this chapter kind of piggybacked off of the earlier chapter we talked about covetousness. Um, this was a little more specific. Envy is the working out in a, in a different way. So she kind of tackles that in this chapter, and it's really challenging. Yeah, and there's so much. We have so much to talk about, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I like this quote in the early part of the chapter that I think fits in also with last week's chapter. She writes that hands and feet get into sin, and often do, but our minds are where it all begins. And for me, that was a really powerful statement, and I think one that we should be reminding ourselves of. Um, Because really, as we've said multiple times on these particular miniseries episodes, it's really where where all of this begins is our heart. And that's really where we have to go to solve it or to fight it is in our heart. Because doing the actions on the outside isn't going to solve it. We have to do it in our heart. So um, Erica, one of the things she talks about is she says, you know, take heed. Mm -hmm. So what does it actually mean to take heed? I feel like that's like in, you know... 1850s mm-hmm. kind of a word or phrasing yeah um she lists a bunch of scripture in this chapter and i love them they provide you know references for every time mostly in the new testament where it says take heed well actually no she goes through both but basically it means that we are to pay very close attention to our walk with god so we need to watch and manage and be alert and examine our own hearts And maybe the most sobering verse that she cites is 1 Corinthians 10, 12, which says, therefore, let him who thinks he stands Hmm. take heed lest he fall. So there's a warning that we will never arrive in this life. We remain in a battle with an enemy who seeks to devour Christians. No one has learned all the lessons and they're no longer susceptible to falling. So take heed, Hmm. stay on guard. Yeah, and just like we talked in the last chapter, we commented on the idea of oh, meditating on scripture, you know, being in constant prayer, listening to good music or a podcast that builds you up, change your scenery. I mean, these are all things we can do that help us take heed. Um, I remember one time talking about how often 
uh, we have sins in our lives that we're trying to forget and maybe they're regrets, you know, and they, and I remember reading that someone said, you have to post a no fishing sign, mm-hmm. which is similar to don't, don't go dumpster diving. And sometimes we have to make some clear cut changes and decisions and then we have to stick with them mm-hmm. and we might need some good friends to come alongside of us and help us stick with them. Erica, how do you do this on a regular basis? Well, it makes me think of when I really began walking with Christ in college, um, making clear cut changes and I had to tell, I wanted to tell people about my new, new relationship with Christ. Hmm. And this was necessary for me in several relationships so that they would understand the changes I would be making. And I recall one friendship, sadly, that just entirely ended because hmm. we were clearly on separate paths. But on a smaller scale, um, we need to be willing to break up with worldly activities and things that keep us from bearing fruit and not hold on to them. I, I don't mean that we become, you know, holier than everyone else and we can't you know, live in the world. I do mean that the affections of our heart, we need to break up with worldliness and say, no, I can't, I can't continue to pursue those things. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, that's, that may be different for each person. Th- some things are clearly sinful, um, but some are discretionary. And so by the spirit, you know, in prayer, see where you need to do that. Um, but there's a song I've been loving lately, and one of my favorite lines is, Remove in me the branch that bears no fruit. Mm. And I love it, but do I really love it? Do I have the courage to pray that? Mm. Isn't that like asking for discipline? Um, and yet as I think on that and I ruminate on that, I wonder, what do I want more? Do I really want to be comfortable and, and content in my, you know, maybe worldliness or my... Um, comfort and ease or do I want to be in a state of being pruned and actually bearing fruit for Christ so I've just been asking God to give me faith and boldness to pray that prayer Mm, that is quite a bold prayer Mm. now I'm sure that women who are listening there's a few women out there who are mothers and we need to kind of think about the fact that we're mothers and how can we work on this with our children how do we help our children teach our children these concepts of meditating, taking heed, you know, so that they're not struggling with the same sorts of sins or the same sorts of challenges Mm -hmm. that we struggle with. So how do you teach your children to do this? Um, Well, I think children, teaching our children comes so much from just living out our faith right in front of them. And for me, I have a longstanding memory of my mom getting up early Mm. to read her Bible and pray in the morning hours. I know my mom was up at 4 a.m. Wow. So she never told me that I needed to do the same, but her example has challenged me my whole life. And by the way, I do think challenging our kids to do this is good as well, but it was actually the aroma of her life and faith, which I knew personally, because I saw it daily, was cultivated through her time with the Lord, which has been one way that God has used her in my life. Hmm. Um, And she also then believed that God was who he said he was. And she shared that with me throughout my whole growing up years and all all after as I've raised my own kids. So this has been impactful. And it's really instructed me on when troubles come, how can I live before my children in a way that shows them that I trust God? Am I fearful or stressed and despairing? Do they see me being content with what God is doing for me? Or do I complain and sigh as if he's forgotten me and that he's doing all this bad stuff to me? And I want to show them how wonderful my God is and how he is sovereign and trustworthy and always good. And so I pray that I can do that and that it makes an impact on my own kids too. Hmm. 
Yeah, that's um, that's really a great example. Um, what a wonderful mother you had. Mm-hmm. And I love the word you used, aroma. Mm-hmm. It's a good word to use and to describe. What is the, we could ask ourselves that question, mm-hmm. right? Like, what is the aroma of my home? Mm-hmm. Is it a place where we have conversations about God, where we where we have fun, where we eat good food, where we laugh, um, and also have more conversations about God. Like, mm-hmm. how does this look? And what do my kids see me doing? Even though my mom was up at 4 a.m. and I was never up at 4 a.m., <laughs> just an aside. No, I didn't. I don't know that I actually saw her physically reading her Bible. I knew she prayed. And I knew she got up at that time because I knew how her schedule was. And I knew that's what she did. Mm-hmm. And I can still remember being like, it's 7 a.m. and I'm knocking on the door where she was at, mm-hmm. trying to see if she's awake, you know, and she's like, I'll be out in a minute. Mm-hmm. But you're right, that is such a good thing, is to think about what's the aroma in our home. Um, I also think one thing that we can teach our children, which I have to say is not something I'm perfect at, um, is that we have to be careful not to replay our kids' stories over and over with them. It's really easy to do. It's easy for us to replay all of their problems of a situation and their hurts over and over again. And this can, we have to kind of help them to stop, um, pray for them, and this work has to happen in their hearts. Um, so obviously we can't just tell them, stop. They have to be at work, so we have to pray for them. But we have to be a model in it. And I struggle with this. I'm just going to be honest. It's very easy um, for me to fall into the the sins of wanting to fix their hurts and the problems they're having when they're feeling out of the group. And, you know, so actually it's really my hard work too. I'd love to say that it's just them, but well, <laughs> I have to fix parenting it. is, right? <laughs> yes. I just saw this thing that, um, a, um, actually a meme that was really, really funny to me. It said, ha ha, new mom, you thought pushing that baby out was going to be the hardest thing you ever did? <laughs> well, guess what? Wait till they're older, you know? I mean, it is hard work parenting and it always changes, you know? So yeah, it's hard to push that baby out yeah. for sure. But it's also hard to deal with kids all along. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. I'm not saying it's not a good thing. Please don't get me wrong. But it is hard work all the way through. Right. I always say it's it's a labor Yeah, all the way through. Yes. You're not just one yes. labor. It's different, yeah. but it's definitely a labor. Yes. <laughs> so. Okay. So Erica, what makes envy, since we're talking about envy in this chapter, so vicious? It seems like we hit on this already um, a little bit when we talked about covetousness, but envy is a derivative of covetousness, along with jealousy, greed, maybe malice and hatred. Um, Nancy mentions how envy is a sin that can crop up out of nowhere, unexpected. Mm. And so another mention of a sign, like (laughs) the homeowner who posts a beware of dog sign, we should keep a sign up in our minds, beware of envy, knowing that it can really come out of nowhere and it is often vicious when it shows Mm. its face. It seems to be a sin which is reactive, popping up unexpectedly in light of another person's blessing or happiness or favor. And no one plans to be envious. Right. That's not something you put on your to-do no. list. Yeah. I'm be, be envious jealous. today. <laughs> Let's check that off. <laughs> right. And I would guess that no one even wants to be envious for that matter. Um, and because of this, we may want to dress it up. We, we may label it as something else. Or we want to cast shadows on the person that we're envious of. But none of these will dissolve the envy. God can help us to fight it by being content. Ah, there's the magic word again. (laughs) So the most success that I personally have found in fighting envy is when I'm just straight up honest with God. God, I am feeling jealous about, 
X, Y, or Z. Fill in the blank. Yes. And I know this is wrong, and I don't want to feel that way. So please help me to see how you have been good to me too and to be content with what you have given to both me and to someone else. Being content with what God has given to someone else, I think that is truly the thing, being happy in other people's um, blessings and, and favor. So a verse I really found helpful a while back was from the New Living Translation paraphrase. I just liked how it was phrased, and it read, Look after each other so that no one will fail to find God's best blessings. Watch out that no bitterness takes root among you, Mm. for as it springs up, it causes deep trouble, hurting many in their spiritual lives. And so I don't want to be a reason that people are hurt and defiled um, because I'm envious, and I certainly don't want to be an envious person. Um, And that first part, look at each other, look after each other so you will not Mm -hmm. fail to find God's best blessings. It's looking for it. It, That right there tells me that you have to have eyes to see where God is blessing and Mm. to not feel like you've been slighted if you didn't receive the same blessing. Mm. God is so good and his love is vast. So Mm. um, we should not feel like we're being slighted. That reminds me of the verse in Hebrews that says, you know, outdo one another with love. Mm. You know, like this is what our job is to love. And what you're saying is, is love. Yeah. Is really to love others. That's really true. As God has loved us. That's really good. So what about you, Julie? How how do we destroy envious thoughts? Ha. Huh. How do you? Okay, well, <laughs> um, it's definitely, I will say to start off with, I think it is a it is a work. And I think we don't have to sit there and think, oh, it's all done. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we it's a work and it's going to take time. But I think simply put, one of the easiest things that we can do is being thankful, mm-hmm. which is really the... Um, you know, anecdote or, you know, the medicine for discontentment is to be thankful. So making a choice to be thankful every single day. I know that it is extremely easy to be frustrated with others when others have good things and we don't have them. Someone's husband gets a better job and they have more money. They can put their, you know, put in a new patio, buy a brand new car, put their kids in some fancy school. Maybe, um, maybe someone's kid does really, really well in school and they're the valedictorian or they get graduate with honors and your kid got C's, you know, all the way through. Or maybe someone gets a promotion at work that we really think we should have gotten, like we've been working there longer. Or someone gets, you know, in, invited or included and we're not getting invited or included. I just think it's there all the time. And really, it's all about being thankful. And I think the, um, the like I said, the, sick, the answer to the sickness of envy is thankfulness. Um, it's definitely a learned skill and behavior. I don't think people are born thankful. <laughs> and I think they have to learn to be thankful. So it's just like we might learn how to eat properly so we you know, don't gain a ton of weight. Or we might learn how to stretch before we go running so we don't hurt ourselves. Um, this is just something we have to do. Um, and I just was thinking about how especially a great way to start practicing the gifts and being able to be thankful to people is to be thankful like look for ways to be thankful all day long. Look for ways to be thankful to your family. You know, thank your husband, you know, for the work they do in getting ready for a camping trip, mm-hmm. right? Or or when your husband's mowing the lawn again or when he comes home from a full day of work. Being thankful is good. Being thankful to our kids. You know, I know we're always telling them, you know, take the garbage out, you know, clean your room. But being thankful when they do those things. And I think those are huge. Being thankful to a friend for a note you got in the mail or for the good word they just spoke in a conversation that they didn't even know they did. You know, just pointing that out is so, so important. I think it just gets our eyes off ourselves 
and off our problems and off our discontentment and it gets our eyes somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if we do that half as much as we should. I mean, I try to remind myself often about the 10 lepers. Mm. Only one of them came back to say thank you. So let's be the one be the one that has a thankful heart to God and Amen. toward others. And it really is such an encouragement, first of all, to live with people who are thankful and to work with people who are thankful. And because of Christ, we have every reason to be the most thankful people on earth. When I was in college, I had a professor. Um, he taught my elementary um, education science class. And he was a little bit over the top with this thankful thing because <laughs> you would say, thank you, um, to him. Thank you, Dr. DeBruin. And he would go, well, thank you for saying thank you. So we don't have to keep going back and forth, right? It's okay to be thankful and accept Period. someone's thankfulness, right? <laughs> yeah. That's good. Oh, that was so good to talk and discuss those chapters. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, this is one of those books I think I'm going to have to reread like, I don't know, yearly. Mm-hmm. I think it's good. It's like the bitterness one. We're going to get a stack of books to read every year, right? Yes. Um, I hope that those of you who are listening are reading along with us in this book because we're only discussing like our thoughts and our response. I think it's good to read the actual book. Um, it's just really good. Next week, we're going to talk with someone who has had to make multiple moves around the country. And we're going to talk with her about how God has helped her to be content in each new place. And it is really good. This is the one that I was talking about in this episode where I said her little care package of verses were really powerful to me. You are going to want to listen. And just on a side note, that's at the end of that episode. So you have to listen all the way through. (laughs) Uh, Okay, Erica, thanks so much for coming on again. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Now we're going to be thank you for saying thank you. (laughs) But really, it's been great to talk with you. And I think you have great wisdom to share. It's, It's good. It's good to talk. So I hope you guys who are listening go home and find someone to talk to about this book because I think that helps us learn from each other and remember when everything around you is shaken you can stand unshaken because of our rock and our fortress because of God until next time